Hello, everyone. Welcome back. TPS Podcast, the Philosopher's Stoned Podcast. With me, Jordan Strauss, and the other guy, his name is Sam. Sam what? Laboon. Laboon. He got it right this time. <laughs> Welcome back. It is family day in my province. Happy day. Happy birthday, Vin Diesel. <laughs> Vin Diesel loves family. Man, every movie, family. Family. Uh, family. <laughs> It's all about family. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a hard time hearing you, Sam. Actually, keep speaking. Yep. Yeah, uh, you're getting there. Okay. So here we are. It's a holiday. I've never I don't think we've ever recorded a podcast this early in the day. No, I'm this is my, by far the earliest. My hot coffee. Oh man. I uh, I already cracked a beer. Really? <laughs> I, I need it. I need I've it. Been, <laughs> I've been drinking too much this weekend. I got to go do, I've got a job interview and part of it has a physical aspect. So I made sure I didn't get too smashed up last night. Oh, that's smart. That's yeah. Smart. What do you have to do? Like you have to like run some sprints or something? Or like- I have no idea. I really think it's probably <laughs> just going to see if I can lift like some, a certain amount of weight that they would typically have to lift. I, that's what I'm guessing anyways. So imagine if they have like hundred pound weights you have to pick up. Jesus. Yeah. I'm just like, I walk in and everybody is like a fucking strong man. (laughs) Icelandic giant. (laughs) Just fucking walk. I think I got the long, the wrong building here, guys. (laughs) Welcome to Viking electrical. (laughs) (laughs) It's not an electrical company. I'm getting out of the game. Oh shit. Yeah. What are you, what are you getting into? Um, well, it's probably something I would want, want to talk about once that's more of a sure thing, just on the off chance that my uh, current employer hears this and I have decided to not go with this company and then he just finds out that I was thinking about ditching him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's aware of this podcast, but whatever. He just heard that part anyways. If he just was a, sorry, if you're listening, don't fire me. <laughs> I'm, um, but yeah. I am thinking about getting out of the game. I've, I've just, I'm, I'm burnt out on it. The thing about the electrical game is that you can always go back to it. So mm. I just want to try something else out for a bit. I don't know. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for the last few months <laughs> understands how stressful <laughs> and stressed out I let my job get me on a daily basis. Yeah, like, so well, we, just, we had to like, we, we had to like cancel a podcast because there was like a, like a fridge had malfunctioned or something, and you had to like go back to Penticton or something. I had no, I didn't have to go back, but I did have to deal with it because, uh, you know, it was just I just I hate having to get off work and then you keep hearing about your work day from your boss, people texting you, "What happened here? Is this going to happen?" It's like the thing about yeah. like I'm gonna I'm thinking I can make a career change here because I actually found something that is pretty much like the it would be way more on the path career-wise, that I would like to be on. It's an artisan. Technically, it's a group of artisans that make concrete water features and art installations for, like, parks and out front of buildings and stuff. Oh, cool. So it would be learning uh, essentially how to make molds. And, uh, you know, they do, like, fountains, and they do a lot of cool shit. But, of course, the first year or so, I'd probably just be doing grunt work, which is probably where the lifting comes in. Yeah, concrete is heavy. Yeah, but it also <laughs> comes at a pretty significant pay cut. So I'm going to have mm. to figure out a way to subsidize my 
income a little bit. Um, well, if, well, I mean, fuck, if stand-up starts up again, that would be more than enough money to help me meet, make ends meet. So, mm. I don't know. Fingers crossed. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I have it. It's in an hour. I'm going to go there, check it out. If it's not what I think it is, and I'll just keep on slugging away at the electrical trade, which is a good trade. I don't want to dissuade anyone from getting into it. It's an excellent ticket to have. <laughs> You're very employable. I put it that way. Mm. But uh, I'm yeah. just, I need, I need a little time away, time off from it. Yeah. Um, what's yeah, new with you? How's your school? Um, we're plowing, we're plowing ahead here. I'm, uh, it's very, very like intense. Um, mm-hmm. Tons of assignments, tons of midterms. I have four midterms uh, coming up over the next week, weekend, next like two weeks. And just like lots and lots of work. But it's yep. very interesting. It's very fun and uh, doing very well. So, so there you go. I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm enjoying it a lot. There you go. See, at least one of us is enjoying their day life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. It's interesting. And uh, See, that's the some thing, of what I've learned. Even uh, if everything goes well at my job, I'm like, I'm still not feeling this. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's not like uh, it doesn't engage your... It doesn't engage you soul, body, and mind. You'd say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I need all that <laughs> to be happy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Like you can't, uh, you can't do the automaton work forever unless like your culture has like ingrained it into you that it's good to be a cog <laughs> in the machine. Like I just feel like agency. If, if there's an alternative out there, I might as well look for it. Right? Like. There's, there's, there's other, there's other careers out there, and if this one is, and if I'm ending my day like pissed off every day, stressed out, then like maybe it's not for me. Even though I'm pretty, mm. I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty, pretty decent at it, but it's just no matter what, you, you're gonna make mistakes, and it just comes back. You know what? I think that our listeners have heard me bitch about this about seven straight <laughs> hours now, so I'm not gonna do it anymore. It's just all I. That's uh, funny. That's how much hard that's how much hard drive space it takes up in my brain. Like fuck, I can't even talk about anything else. So, but what are we you, talking if about? If you were today? your own, oh, okay. Um, I was gonna say, I think if you were your own boss in electrical, you'd enjoy it a lot more. Well, that's always still an option. I just have to. I'm just gonna try something else, though. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so today we're we're picking up with that question we got uh, last week. Yeah. And that was the question about. Um, uh, sophists in ancient Greece and mm-hmm. the the uh, the problem of rhetoric. I think, as the listener put it, um, how would you deal you with read rhetoric? The... Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, so this is this guy's so... name. Just to clarify, his name. The, oh, yeah. the dude who wrote in. His name is. Um, he wrote in again, and his name is Ferdinand, not Wilbur. So I, I think I might have fucked that up last podcast, but. Uh, yeah. He wrote in again, but we'll focus on his question from last week first, and then maybe we have time we can read his new question. Otherwise, we'll just read it next time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I think the question was about uh, this idea of sophists and this idea of rhetoric, and that rhetoric maybe is a problem. And, can you run um, me through what the meaning of rhetoric is, just in this context? Yeah. So I think in this con so. Um, so to give you an idea of like what the idea of rhetoric is, uh, there's a dialogue with Plato. So I did a little a little research on the the Plato 
Stanford Encyclopedia. Yeah. And so, uh, so there's a dialogue with 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 uh, Plato, or the artist formerly known as Socrates, as I've decided to call him. And um, the artist Mino formerly dialogue. known as Socrates. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, like I honestly don't know what's going on there. I don't know yeah. who's who. Yeah. Um. So in the Mino dialogue, there's a guy named Mino, and he claims that his teacher, a guy named Gord Gorgias, not like sounds like gorgeous, like gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous George. Gorgias, I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway. That is like a modern so, day rap name. That is totally gorgeous. a modern day rap name. Gorgias. <laughs> Gorgias. <laughs> yeah. G O R G A S or something. Yeah. The S is a dollar um, the, sign, obviously. <laughs> Little Gorgias. Little Gorgias. Yeah. Um, so, Gorgias, he says his, his teacher, he does not teach anyone how to be like morally good or morally excellent or anything. Or what the correct values that you should live your life are. Instead, Gorgias teaches his pupils the art of persuasion. And the art of persuasion is value neutral. So you can use it for good purposes or you can use it for bad purposes. But at right. the end of the day, it's the same, it's the same art. It's the art it's essentially training like lawyers or lobbyists, right? That's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. They can use their skills for to defend someone. They can use it to prosecute someone. They can use it to convince them that Smoking cigarettes is good for you. Have you ever seen Thank You for Smoking? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I have not. I, Dude, everyone tells me it's so good, though. It's awesome. This guy is a sophist. Like, this guy can convince anyone of anything in the, in the movie, obviously. But the way he does it is actually, like, really, really, uh, it's just, you got to see it. It's a great movie. Hmm. I'll check it out. So, yeah, it does sound... Um... It does sound, yeah, so like, yeah, it does sound a, lot, a little bit like a sophist. Um, so rhetoric, in this sense, is like this art of persuasion through speech, mm-hmm. uh, basically. Um, and we should make a note that apparently, according to the Stanford Encyclopedia, the modern usage of the word sophist differs from the historical truth of the matter a little bit. Really? So, so um, the modern use of the word sophist is for like a, a trickster or a charlatan who makes money by like flaunting their cleverness and they value persuasion over truth. Like a con artist, essentially. Yeah. Sort of like a con artist in a sense. Um, um, and then in, in ancient Greece, sophists were these sort of traveling, traveling teachers and um, they weren't quite as shady as the modern usage of the term, basically. Right. Or quite as shady as that. Um, so yeah, so rhetoric, art of persuasion. Um, it's this, yeah, like sort of like a con man, um, except they they're not necessarily like putting on big acts about like being a different person than they are. They're they're just like right. persuading you. So is, is there a, is their goal even financially motivated though? Like, are they are they trying to convince people to give them money in this back in the day, or is it more of just a changing the opinions of like a town or something. Well, back in the day, the sophists were definitely after money. Okay. Um, and they made a lot of money uh. because they were, they were quite clever. They were quite smart. And um, there's a guy named Protagoras. And so his big claim uh, was that he said that for every thesis, there's a, a counter thesis. Right. And that one of, one of these theses is usually stronger than the other one. However, 
because he, Protagoras, was so skilled in the art of rhetoric, he could always make the weaker thesis appear to be the stronger thesis. Oh, wow. We got a big boy on campus here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Is that the pickup line he used at the bar? (laughs) (laughs) The Greek bar, yeah. (laughs) I, however, can make the weaker thesis appear to be the stronger thesis. So (laughs) you want to come over with me tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you want to come over with me? (laughs) I got a hammock strung between two trees, but... uh, (laughs) He can like convince but he can't convince this girl to come home with him. <laughs> That's where his skills end. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> he just goes full asshole. Yeah. So really my thing is convincing people to do stuff. So like you want to come over after? Oh, that's okay. I think I'm gonna just go home to my husband. You bitch. <laughs> God damn it. Can you okay. see how good my rhetoric is? Yeah. Um, so these guys all wore fedoras, is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, it, like, actually, they would have probably been ballers back in the day. Like, okay. they're making a lot of money um, because they were quite smart. Like, I think Protagoras, like, helped draft the laws of one of Athens' colonies. Like, they were pretty smart people. So that's why, like, the, uh, the modern usage is, is a little bit different than the ancient Greek usage. Right. It's a little um, less slimy. A little less slimy. However, there are like grains of slime in it. So some these views, maybe they were wrongly attributed to Protagoras, but these are the types of views that are typically attributed to sophists. Okay. So the first is universal subjectivism. So this means there is no objective truth, right? Right. If, if A feels that the wind is cold and B feels that the wind is hot, both are correct. Mm. And you can apply that to literally anything. If A feels that 1 plus 1 equals 2, and B feels that 1 plus 1 equals 3, well, it is how it appears to them. They're both correct. Right. Um, and then another view may be wrongly attributed, again, to Protagoras, but like a typical like sophist like view, but they would think is called social relativism. And so this is the idea that moral truths depend on the norms of your society. I think so we've, we've, I think this has come up on the podcast before. Actually, yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, where culture, like it sounds society, like the norms of society is where a lot of people are going to derive their sense of morality from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so for example, um, uh, if maybe society A believes that eating meat is wrong, and society B believes that eating meat is right, they're right. both correct. Right. But if you're an individual in society A and you believe that eating meat is right, then you are actually incorrect. You're wrong. Oh. Because your Just society because everyone dictates, around you is saying you're, that you're wrong. Right. So your society dictates the moral truth. Right. Um, so here's where the sophist comes in. The sophist, if the sophist is so skilled in rhetoric that they can persuade a society, change its norms, then in a sense, they are the author of that society's moral truth. Ooh. That's too yeah. much power for one person. <laughs> too <laughs> much power. Man, what's that, that. what's <laughs> that Kanye song? <laughs> power. Power. Or what's no, the wait. line? Too yeah, much power for I, one man something. Fuck, how's that song go? I don't know. I thought it was like, how can one man have all that? Yeah, yeah that's the one. How can one man have all that power? Yeah. 
something, something, something. I just count the hours. Yeah, I need to. Uh, Kanye, <laughs> a true sophist, if you ask me. Convince mm. Kim Kardashian that he's not crazy. Yeah. He's getting sued. He's getting sued by everyone who worked for his church because he didn't pay anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Are you shitting me? No, I'm serious. That Class is, action lawsuit, I think. That is so funny, man. Ah, just when yeah. you think that he's turned a new leaf. Honestly, he probably didn't even know what was going on. No, he's just, he probably he just, just went there with his beat making machine and uh, <laughs> got the people got fired up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't know. I just was show supposed up. to be paying people for this. The payment was being able to say you went to Kanye Sunday service. Yeah, he probably thought they were like his guests or like volunteers or something. <laughs> Disciples. His lawyer's like, um, oh, I forgot to tell you. These are actually employees of yours, so you have to pay them. That's crazy. Uh, nobody told me that. <laughs> what a what a what a smudge on his on his legacy, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, smudge. All he hey, he just needs to release another great album, and everyone will forget about it. Yeah. Do you think that this is the beginning of the end of his religious uh, um, re reemergence as a man of God? Oh, the the water album, or whatever it was called. Uh, there were some good songs there, but like you know, how he's gone. He went from like, I'm the ball and shit. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the tits McGee, and now he's like, it's all about Jesus. And now I think he's probably going to go back to ah, actually. You know what? I am Jesus. So I was right a whole. I was right the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he'll like, he'll like, because Bob Dylan did that too. He went like very gospel at one point. Really? Um, yeah. But then he went like back to like making like. More secular music, so yeah, maybe Kanye will do that too. Yeah, I would predict that that's what's going to happen yeah. with Kanye too, especially now that he's got this church, his whole church <laughs> mad at him. <laughs> yeah, great, great look, getting sued by your own church. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, yeah, so okay, so one, so the problem, so like just to like backtrack a little bit, so we get back to this idea with rhetoric that it's the art of persuasion. Yeah. Protagoras was saying, like, for every thesis, there's a counter thesis. One of them is probably going to be weaker than the other, but I can always make it look stronger. Right. And a problem that comes from that is that a consequence of that might be that people can't decide, like, what, which thesis is correct. They don't know what's true or false anymore. And this can create sort of like a nihilism about, like, whether there's any such thing as objective reality or truth. Right. Yeah, so there's uh, there's this guy named Adam Curtis who has these really great uh, documentaries on YouTube. And he's argued that this is actually a tactic that is like deliberately used in particular by Vladimir Putin hmm. to paralyze the opposition. Right? So he creates this atmosphere where nobody knows what is true or false. Right? So That's essentially what's happening in America, like with fake news yeah. and everything. No one knows what the hell to believe anymore. It's terrible. It's dangerous. It's, it's, it, it's, and quite frankly, it peeves me off. <laughs> yeah, it's really like it's, it's very complicated, right? So like in, in Russia, there's that uh, Navalny guy. Yeah. Who uh, everyone thinks like, oh, Putin poisoned him. Yeah. But they'll spread like some conspiracy theory that, well, okay, well, maybe Navalny is actually an agent of Russia's enemies. And they fake the poisoning to win sympathy for him so that he could come and overthrow Putin 
and deliver Russia into the hands of its enemies. Who's its enemies? I don't know. <laughs> like, who do they think he's know. working for? <laughs> Capital. I don't know. Rich Western powers who hate Russia. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's what we think that everybody's working for Russia over here. They think everybody's working for the states over there. Is that what's <laughs> happening? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. Russia has a deep history of mistrust uh, with the West. Um, but the same thing, yeah, is happening right in the U.S. election, right? On the one hand, you have, right, so there's two theses. On the one hand, you have the thesis that Joe Biden won the U.S. election fair and square. Yeah. And on the other hand, you have the counter thesis that Donald Trump won the U.S. election and the Biden stole the election, right? So there's two theses. Right. The second thesis seems weaker because there's no real substantial or persuasive evidence that it's true. However, there are so many skilled rhetoricians and sophists out there that they can make that weaker case appear stronger. Right. Are you drawing on paper right now or something? What does that sound? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think I was drawing on paper. Maybe it was like something rubbing against my microphone or like, it literally sounds like you're like scribbling down on paper or something. Anyways, continue on. Oh, that's that's weird. Um. So, um, yeah, and so like a consequence of that is right. Like, some people are not going to be persuaded by like the big crazy lie, right? But the effect is so destabilizing that lots of people wind up just confused and they don't know what to. What to believe. Right. Which I feel yeah. like is like we watch, we're watching this happen right now. Or it was most prevalent right around the election where it's like mm-hmm. nobody knew what to believe anymore. Yeah. And it's like it happens all over the place, right? Like it happens with, um, with climate change as well. It's, right. It's even easier to do it with climate change because most people don't really understand the science that well. Yeah. So it's very easy for people to come along and say like, well, actually, um, all these scientists, they're just, all their data is made up. They're just faking their data and they're getting paid by the United Nations who are trying to deindustrialize the world so they can take over. Okay. Um. <laughs> what is the point of taking over the world at this point? Like what, it's, there's no reason to do it. Why would you want to take over the world right now? Oh man. Um, it's just, that's a good question. I feel like too many, everybody's too <laughs> established now. Like everybody's got such a strong foothold on their countries that it's like, no one's invading. No one's doing ground invasions anymore. It's not going to happen. There's no point. Yeah. There's nothing that they can achieve. I think, I don't know. Obviously I'm not an expert on anything, but <laughs> I just feel like the whole notion of taking over the world is so outdated at this point. There's nothing you can't access yeah, from anywhere on the planet now. Yeah, it's very like pinky in the brain. Yeah. 1960s James Bond. Yeah. So when people <laughs> say they want to control and take over, it's like, I, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what that means. What does that look like at the end? Are we all working in factories? Building what? For who? It's like, <laughs> what, what, what? When people say they want, the, the government wants more control over us, I don't know what, they, what they're saying. Like, what are they afraid of? What is the end game that everybody's afraid of? Like, a lot of the anti-mask people are like, it's for control. It's like, what are they controlling? I don't understand it. I guess they're controlling us going out late. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. Like, 
I understand that historically the, the music's too loud at night. I know I, like historically <laughs> I get that countries that weren't oppressed then became oppressed at some point. And I understand that's possible, but I just I, I I don't know. I feel like the world is so different now that taking yeah. over the world is such a dumb idea in the first place and that you wouldn't even want to do it if you could. Yeah. Okay, well I think I think I I can I can like this is what I I think is like the gist of it is yeah. um it sort of relates to what we were talking about last week um sustainability. Uh-huh. And I think the idea is that you they use this this global warming hoax thing and yeah. they force all the countries to deindustrialize um and like lose a lot of their like manufacturing capacity and stuff like that. Um, so that's like phase one, mm-hmm. deindustrialize everybody. They can't build as much as they used to. As a consequence of that, their armies get weaker, militaries get weaker, everything like that. Right. Um, and population goes down, all these sorts of things happen. Um, and the idea is that by reducing population, reducing industrialization, uh, people are easier to control. There's not um it's just like easier to control people and prevent wars and you just like keep everyone in line basically there's less people and they have less power keep everybody in line okay so the goal is to avoid war is that what it is yeah right if you have a one if you have like a unit unified if you have a world where there's one central power that's very strong yeah and then all the other powers are very weak then no one can really go to war anymore and everyone sort of has to go along with the central power. I think that's the idea. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like I believe it when I see it, but I, uh, <laughs> well, I'll, maybe I'll be eating my words in 10 years when I'm part of the fucking mind hive <laughs> <laughs> in the mines, mining for gold and getting that toxic dust all over me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's really weird. It's it's basically just like a uh, like you're, that's like giving it like the benefit of the of the doubt, and that it's like all to prevent conflict and war and keep everybody in line. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It seems so ridiculous. I'm just, I guess, I'm just confused. Like, I'm like, no one's that good spirited. Like, I don't believe anyone is that like, like high minded that like they're gonna do this whole thing to prevent war. Like, anyone who wants to prevent war isn't gonna. Yeah, like, I don't think you obsession. need to control the world to prevent war, but I don't know. Who am I? I just don't understand. Like, obviously, there's people who want more power, but like, how much power yeah. do you need? Like, what is your goal? Do you want to be able to snap your fingers? And like, the most powerful people in the world can get mm. it whatever they want, essentially, whenever they want. Yeah. Like, what what yeah. are these people wanting that they don't already have? Um, well, if you're the United Nations, you don't really have the power of like the United States. Or like another country like that, like you don't really have an army that you can deploy. No one listens to you, really. Right. Um, you're just sort of you're just sort of there. And when the big countries don't want to deal with you anymore, they just they just like fuck you. Like the United States is like, oh, okay, you don't want to support the Iraq invasion? Well, fuck you. We're going to invade anyway. Yeah, yeah. And they can't really do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Maybe I'm, I'm too small minded to like grasp these big plans of our global leaders and elites. 
That's probably why yeah, I haven't been I, invited to the Illuminati yet because I just I'm not a big picture <laughs> guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were thinking about recruiting you, but they're like, you know, he just doesn't he just doesn't see the big picture. Yeah. He doesn't understand why we want more power. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Who would have want more power? Uh, yeah, okay. Well, anyways. Yeah. I think and this sort of does go back to the sophists because some of the ancient Greek sophists, their views about morality were basically um there was this like this question in ancient Greece. It was called the the nomos and fusis debate. Uh-huh. So nomos means like laws and conventions, like justice, morality, and things like that. Yeah. And then fusis means the reality of nature, like the law of tooth and claw, strong, dominate the weak. Nice. The law of tooth and claw. I like that. Yeah. Uh, very metal. <laughs> very metal. Who knew philosophy was so fucking metal, dude? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So basically, they were saying like people should behave according to their nature. Right. Everyone agreed people should behave according to their nature. Some people thought that our laws and conventions are part of our nature, they arise from nature. Right. And other people thought our laws and moral conventions, these are, these are just human inventions made up by weak, stupid people to constrain the strong and intelligent from achieving what they are entitled to achieve. Well, we, hang on a second. Say that <laughs> one more time. All right. So there's a pretty, again, back to Gorg- Gorgias, another one of Gorgias's students, Callicles. Gorgias. Little Gorgias. Little Gorgias. He argued that moral norms were invented by weak and stupid people to constrain strong and intelligent uh, achieving what they were entitled to achieve by virtue of their strength and intelligence. Right. Yeah. That sounds a lot like a guy I know, but uh, I won't misspeak his name, but it rhymes with Littler. Littler. <laughs> Rudolph Littler. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Littler. The That's painter. another another SoundCloud rap name. Littler. <laughs> Littler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's good, Littler. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then there's another guy, uh, Glaucon. I think we talked about him. Glaucon. He said that uh, sounds like Glaucon. A, yeah, sounds like uh, he sounds like a Klingon general. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that would be a good name for a Klingon general, Glaucon. Um, and he 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 was a little different. He said our moral norms actually arise from nature, they're a necessity to help us band together and form like cohesive societies to protect us from hostile forces. Right. However, these norms are still inventions that restrain us from doing what we really want to do. And that was where the ring of Gyges came in, where it's this magic ring that makes you invisible. Right. And so the idea was that anyone who has this ring and can be invisible they would use it to do all the things that would normally bring about their moral condemnation. Right. And they would be, they would be happier than people who didn't have the ring. And so the quote is that a, a successful life of ruthless self-assertion is supreme happiness. Really? And that is what nature prompts us to seek. <laughs> that is nuts. <laughs> yeah. That is a wild way for everybody to live their lives. If everybody decided to do that, 
I don't think yeah, that we'd be fucked. Yeah, I think so. That's what Glaucon is, is saying. Like, this is what we want to do. This is what would make us the most happy. But our societies would kind of fall apart if everyone did that. Right, right. Um, so that might be the answer to like, why do they want all that power? Well, because once they have all that power, once they're the central power, they can lead that life of ruthless self-assertion. Ruthless self-assertion, <laughs> man. But like, is that really going to make them happy? Like, I, I just feel like it can't. Oh. Well, yeah, that, that's like the whole, the whole book of the Republic is about uh, Socrates arguing that that life won't make you happy. It'll actually make you miserable. Well, think about this. If you do have the power to do anything you want, you'll have no sense of accomplishment ever mm-hmm. because anything you want automatically becomes reality. Mm. Yeah, it's true. There's no like struggle. Yeah, you need a little bit of resistance to feel like you got something done. You know, I don't know. Maybe I just, mm. I'm just too like, if I actually had that level of power, I'd be like, I do not need resistance. I need <laughs> results immediately. <laughs> Finally, they stop struggling. <laughs> yeah, but there's like no, you know, when you hike a mountain, you feel good because of the effort you put in to get to the top. Mm-hmm. If you just had a helicopter drop you off there, you're not going to feel like you conquered the mountain. Mm. Yeah, unless you're like a real psycho. Yeah. I feel like the people that, that really believe that this is the way to true happiness are like psychotic or, or at least they don't value a hard day's work. You know what I'm saying? These aren't blue collar mm. thinkers. These are white collar criminals that are doing these things. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. the only thing that they wouldn't be able to truly use power to get is true love. Mm. Good point. True love will always evade them. Yeah. Can't force yeah. someone to love you. Because they'll be false. Because they're false. If you're false, you can't have true love. Yeah. You can't force someone to love you. You can only trick people into loving you. Which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> what everybody else does. So, The art of Tinder. <laughs> yeah. I guess if love isn't really something you give a shit about, then that would be a great life. That would be a great life. It's, it really becomes just a life of straight up... Um, Satis- like uh, pleasure-seeking, like immediate pleasures of the flesh-seeking, right? Mm. Yeah, and that's why, that's why like, Plato argued that if you did this, you'd actually be miserable because yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to satisfy all your desires and you'd just be frustrated. I think the first couple of weeks would be pretty awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Before you, <laughs> you hit rock bottom like and realize no one actually gives a shit about you and all you are is a, like an iron fist of oppression, then... Uh, once you realize that, you might start getting depressed. But, um, you know, the first few weeks when you're getting every single little thing you want uh, happening for mm-hmm. you immediately, that might be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so... All right, so we've established the, the motive, power. We've established the means, rhetoric. Now the question arises, what do we do about this? How do we stop all this, this stuff, right? So on the one hand, maybe there are legal. We can't just like kill everybody. Uh-huh. You can't just, you can't just like shoot Donald Trump in the head, right? Um, you can't shoot Rudy Giuliani in the in the face. Uh, that's that wouldn't be right. Mm-hmm. So you have to pursue 
have to keep the moral high ground, stay on the side of the law, on the side of justice. Right, right, right. So is there any, like, so there's, like, there's defamation. Um, so that's, like, one legal remedy to, like, to, like, rhetoric that's out of control and being, being abused. So um, there's, like, these defamation lawsuits against, uh, like, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Um, Sydney, Sydney Powell, they're getting sued for like billions of dollars um, by these voting machine companies. And everyone has stopped. All like the major news networks have like pretty much shut up about um, like stop the steal. Like they don't talk about that anymore. Yeah, no. It's once it's over, it's over. Yeah, they're terrified of getting sued. Um, Alex Jones, he was sued and he had to recant all of his claims about Sandy Hook. He made all these these specific claims that like the people were actors and stuff like that. And so, yeah, he, that was a real fucking to... piece of shit, piece of move, but that, that was really, yeah. I mean, come on, man. Out of all the conspiracies to formulate, why would you do that? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, um, do you think he actually believed that? Because no, no, I don't think so. Well then fuck him. Yeah. He's, uh, he's like a, uh, He's catering to like the militant Second Amendment gun control people. Right. Who who believe that the government makes up these like school shootings and terrorist attacks as like false flags to excuse them confiscating everybody's guns. Oh my god, these people are such losers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um so so in some cases you can get the defamation stuff. Like in some cases it works, but uh, like glo- like global warming is like another one where you wa- where you wonder like okay this is like this is the hoax of hoaxes really because this is the one that's all about world domination and right. like everything sort of leads back to to this idea of like the UN and China teaming up to take over the world right um, so if someone claims global warming is all a hoax could like Greta Thunberg sue them and take them to court for defamation probably not. Yeah, not really. Because there's no like direct individuals involved, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's so so difficult. They there's actually a, I was reading about this today. There's a recent case in Canada where a uh a scientist tried to sue the National Post like of three journalists from the National Post for defamation and um specifically about global warming. And yeah. He he wasn't he was initially the court in BC sided with him. Really, but then the the National Post off, off, authors appealed it, and the BC Court of Appeal upheld the appeal and and ordered a new trial. So he's probably going to lose in a new trial. So, so the guy is get who's suing the um, what was it? The new what, journal, the newspaper. He's suing, or something? Uh, yeah, he's suing three journalists from the National Post. Okay, so and now he's he's gonna lose. Like they're not. It's not gonna happen for him. Yeah, his name's Andrew Weaver. Yeah, so he he in 2017 he lost at the court of appeal. I wonder if there's been another another case. Let me see. No, I think that was the last last case. Because these journalists were saying that global warming was a hoax. Um. So they said things like uh, that he was. Um, he was an alarmist. 
who I'm, I'm quoting from an article in, uh, it's called the Narwhal. Yeah. Um, so they, they uh, referred to Weaver in their articles as a quote, alarmist who disseminate, who disseminates agitprop and a sensationalist that cherry picked data as Canada's warmest spinner in chief. <laughs> spinner in chief. Nice one, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the problem is with defamation, I don't really understand it, but it's very, so here's like the test for defamation. So if you're the plaintiff, this is what you have to prove. You have to prove number one, the material lowered your reputation in the minds of reasonable people. Yeah. Number two, the material directly referred to you as a person. And number three, the material was not like a communication that was aimed only at you, but it was published for like a wide audience. Right, right, right. Um, so on the face of it, it seems to like, on the face of it, you read it and like, oh yeah, like it seems to meet that, meet that test. Um, but the problem is, is that uh, a defense to defam, a legal defense to defamation is if you can prove that you were just making a fair comment on a matter of public interest. Right. Which they would so say they are. Their defense... Yeah, their defense was that we weren't saying facts about global warming. We were saying, we were offering comment or opinion about this guy. You know, I actually do see their side of it, even though I don't agree with their position. I think that you can't, you can't, because that would set a precedent, I feel like, for defamation Mm. uh, cases to be rampant. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Like that's the problem. Like, yeah. Even if in one case it seems like yeah, they shouldn't like this like they're being they're not like being like legit with their criticism. Yeah. If you would allow them to sue him for damages and like give him like 50 grand or whatever then like you could apply you'd have to apply you'd have to apply the court's reasoning in the same way to other cases. And yeah, that's the thing. It's one of those things where it's like yeah, in this particular case it would feel like it would be justified. Mm-hmm. But it's the precedent that it sets that would be dangerous for the rest of, you know, the, the, everybody else. Yeah. In future cases of defamation could be, it would use that precedence and it wouldn't be justified, I feel like. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, here's an even crazier one. I don't think he was even sued, right? So this is in 2015. Right. A guy named Maurice, Maurice Newman. He's the chairman of the Australian Prime Minister's Business Council. He wrote an opinion piece straight up saying the United Nations was deliberately using bad science to create a global warming hoax to increase its political power. Huh. So he straight up said it. Yeah. He said it. Um, but even, he, even that statement, probably not defamatory. Because uh, I don't know like the Australian courts, like how they decide defamation. But yeah. if he said it in Canada... He he could he would be fine if because all he would have to do to show that it wasn't defamation would be show that he read some scientific articles that were critical of climate science and then that his statement was just sort of like uh, an opinion that he inferred from those articles right and he and he'd be okay huh. yeah so that's like the difference with the the voting the voting defamation suits is because the, uh, the people who they're suing were claiming to be stating facts. Right. Whereas these other instances with, with science, it's more difficult. The science is all Yeah, theory. he's stating his opinion about an article he read. 
right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Even though, so, so it doesn't seem like the legal route is going to be successful for most most of these uh, like rhetorical abuses, I guess. Um, well, should we do an email? We have one from uh, Ferdinand. Do we want me to read it today, um, and then I can, then you can, we can answer it next week. Yeah, sure. We might as well just read like a few emails. Okay, here's the one that we have one email from him, and then another one from someone else that we could probably answer today. Okay. Uh, hello, I'm a French-speaking person from Australia. My name is Ferdinand, and I'm 16. Wilbur was my dog's name, which is why his emails Wilbur. Some. Um. <laughs> Anyway, my next question is, what do you think differentiates the Stoics from the Epicureans or the Taoists? And which ones do you think are the most present in our society nowadays? Love you guys. Ferdinand. We love you too, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, um, we love you. Stoics, Epicureans, and Taoists. Ooh, okay. Um, is it Tao? T-A-O? Taoists? T-A-O, um, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Um... No, I don't want to answer that now um, because I'm, I'm honestly not up to speed on ancient philosophy. Um, right. So do you want to do some research be on that episode. one before we answer our buddy old pal Ferdinand? Yeah. I, like, I could give a vague, vague answer, but it wouldn't be good. So I think it would be better to save that one. Because that, that'll be a fun one too. Epic okay. Answer, well, we'll, we'll let uh, you're, you're, you do a little, little searching and we can talk about that one next week. Um, All right. And the next one is, here's the next email, and it is one simple question. How many clones of yourself do you think it would take to fight a silverback gorilla and win? <laughs> Ooh, okay, this is good. Um, hmm. Clones. Here's the thing. I, there's nothing we could do, no matter how many of us we have, I feel like. say I would say, like... <sighs> You would essentially have to have it outweighed. <laughs> yeah, if you had a thousand of you, you could take yeah. on pretty much anything. Because there's no way you're going to penetrate it with your fists. So like, no. And there's no way you're going to be able to get one of you behind it and like break its neck. Maybe suffocate it with a bunch of you. I think you have to go eye gouge. Oh, yeah. The eye gouge is a game changer because that can take <laughs> anything out, right? So we get five of me on one arm, five of me on the other arm, and then yeah. like two of me to go for the eyes. Maybe we could do that. So 12? 12. 12, 12 is your answer? All of like Here's supreme courage. <laughs> Nobody backing yeah. down. Nobody backing down. Do they have the same, yeah, do they, do they have <laughs> the same courage that I currently have? Or are they, are they automatons? Are they robotic? I think a clone will, the, car, the courage factor carries over in the cloning process. All right, here, I figured it out. All right, so 12 of us to attack the gorilla and yeah. 24 others with like Kalashnikovs who will shoot any cowards who run away. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't they just take those Kalashnikovs and shoot the gorilla? Oh, yeah, it doesn't say anything about weapons because uh, oh. just one if I got an elephant rifle. Oh, um, yeah. Or like a long But I'm spear. assuming you means yeah. fisticuffs only. So I, uh, realistically... Even if I had 10 of me, we would be just, all 10 of us would be pussyfooting around the thing and it would eventually <laughs> just grab one of our ankles and that one's dead, right? And then now you're down to nine. Yeah. So, 
I don't know. Do we have some sort of uh, telepathic communication between each other that we can all go <laughs> now? Because <laughs> you're not going to be able to break its arms. You're not going to be able to break its legs. Best you could maybe do is pin it down if you had like at least 10 of you. Like per arm. How, how, how much does the average silverback, how much does an adult silverback weigh? Let's find out. I'm guessing like 600 pounds or something. And then they can probably lift like twice their body weight or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like they would be able to kill you so easily, one of you. Okay, it's three to And then use the pounds. dead one as a club to beat the other one. Yeah, three to four hundred pounds. So it would be I would need two of me to outweigh it. Well, that's not that's a lot less than I thought, but the strength factor you gotta yeah. And it's like a beast, right? It's it's got that ferocity. Yeah, it could it could probably grab my forearm and its arm and it just squeeze and crush my fucking bone into dust. So we get oh, we can't go weight based here. We gotta go you gotta go for the eyes. You gotta go for the eyes. That's the only way. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Or go. the genitals. You got to go for the genitals mm. and the eyes. We're going fucking prison rules here. Yeah, that's that's the only way to do it. It's not gonna be pretty. It's not gonna yeah. be pretty. It's not gonna be a fair fight. I I, I honestly don't know because I think that it, it because it could kill you so easily, one at a time. Like, how long do you think it would take ten of you to kill a gorilla? It would take a long time, and I think within that time, it's gonna be able to take out half of you. And once you're down that number, then you're out. You're out of the game. It's gonna get you all. Yeah, like you need like you need uh, you need s- numbers so that like some of you can be sacrificed. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would definitely lose a couple clones at least. But and also, yeah. it's like, is there a way for a human human strength, purely human strength, to kill something that dense without using a tool of some sort? Like I could imagine like a bunch of us pinning it down and then someone grabbing a big rock and smashing it on its head. But I think that's against the the rules in this scenario. Yeah. There's no way you're, I don't think, okay, like Francis Ngannou, right? He, He packs a punch. Yeah. Yeah. Could he knock out or hurt a gorilla with a punch with his bare hand? I feel like he would just, his hand would just shatter. I think his hand would shatter. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're talking bone density, we have all these factors. To grip strength, that one would be terrifying because, like, yeah. as soon as it grabs you, whatever it grabs, it can just crush. I, I believe. I think that's pretty, pretty much <laughs> how strong they are. Yeah, well, they eat like. Grass it could probably throw you in the air, and then you're you're injured on your on on impact when you land. Oh yeah, it's not even going to try to punch you. It's just going to go go for the grappling. It'll probably just rip, rip you apart. Rip you apart. Like it could probably rip yeah. your arms right off your body, like a fucking Wookie. You know? Oh my god. Yeah, I don't. That's that's nasty. So okay. I'm gonna think I would have to. I'm gonna break it down like this: What parts of a gorilla could a single one of me injure? Mm-hmm. Now I think I could maybe break a finger, maybe a toe. I could definitely push an eyeball in. Yeah. maybe rip rip a ball off a, a dick dick injury of some sort but other than that the rest of his body is pretty much impervious to anything i can do so yeah without like a, a weapon or something you would have to have well-timed attacks to get the eyes but even when you get the eyes you can't like how does this fight it does it doesn't specify how you would win is this a fight to the death because now we're talking he might be able to immobilize a gorilla by getting its eyes gouged in or something like that, but it's not going to die from that. 
Will it? Um, what does your philosophy degree say about this? Uh, I skipped the lecture on eye gouging. But, um, <laughs> you fool. Why would you skip the most important lesson? <laughs> this isn't even a philosophical question. This is just a, this is a hypothetical what if. I don't think you would die from getting your eyes gouged out. I don't think a gorilla would. So I honestly don't know. It would be probably... The thing about... So immobilizing a gorilla, I think if I had well coordination, a good coordinated attack, I could do it with less than 10 just to get the eyes and the fingers done, right? I think less than 10 is ambitious. Like, I think it kills one and then everyone runs. Yeah, that's the thing. But if maybe in this scenario, running is not even an option. It's a cage match. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, then you're just like all going to have to jump on it and just like wear yeah. it down. Exhausted. Here's my point is that even when we all jump on it and we, we get the eyes, we get it, toes, fingers broken, it's literally just laying on the ground. I don't yeah. know what we could do to actually end its life besides starve it to death. <laughs> like okay, maybe, well, maybe crush a trachea. That's the only way. But we would have to yeah. like boot kick the shit out of this thing. They probably don't have the best cardio. And that's where we would have the advantage. We would have the cardio advantage. Well, and so we could. You might. Just. <laughs> and so we could just like. That would maybe be the best strategy would be to like just all like sort of like climb on top of it and just hang on to it until it just gets exhausted. And then. And then. But we it can, would, in that time, it would be able to just grab you individually and start ripping your limbs off. Yeah. I feel I mean, like maybe the only gorilla way- <laughs> could pull my arm off like I could pull a wing off of a rotisserie cooked chicken, you know? Like it wouldn't be hard. Yeah. That that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like the horde of army ants like taking down a uh like a little gecko or something. Like Yeah. Like how many ants would it take to kill a dog, you know? Like it would be a lot. Ugh, that's scary. Okay, final answer. I think it would take See, you don't want to have so many of you that a bunch of you are just useless because you can't even get to the thing, right? Because it's so many <laughs> other people. I'm going to yeah. say it's going to take 15. 15 of me on a good day uh, and as much time as I need because I might end up literally just having to choke the thing to death mm. without tools. That I don't know how you would do that. I don't even know if I could get my arm around a gorilla's neck long enough to choke it. It would probably be a matter of like some of us holding the head back, others holding the arms back, which would be like you'd need like 10 per arm. And then the the remainder is just stomping on its throat until it dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to need 30 of me. Yeah. You You got soft hands, so... Well, I hope that answers your question, you psychopath. Um... Well, yeah, anything else you want to add? I think we're good for this episode. Um, oh, uh, we'll show it to Australia. The Australian Open is on right now, so that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Check that out. Shout out to our first international listener, Ferdinand. Love you. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.